y'all. Welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I am your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I'm going to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you remember that you don't mom alone. In this episode number 273, I have the privilege of welcoming back to the show, Melanie Schenkel. I just, to me, I think you would be better off going with the assumption that everybody would like to make a new friend, you know, just that everybody's open to friendship and that sometimes if somebody is closed off, I think that says so much more about who they are than who you are to them. And I think it's just continuing to approach them and to, and to make the effort and to dial in because I will say that one of the things that I've learned with this group of friends that I have called Birthday Club, um, and we had started getting together when the kids were little, and we were a random group. I mean, it started for Gully's birthday, and she had this random group of girls that she wanted to get together, and most of us didn't know each other. All we had in common was her. Um, but then we continued to meet, and we still get together, like, you know, a couple of times a year, and, you know, hang out, and our kids are kind of all teenagers now, and we've lived all this life together. And what John told me was, is that new friends eventually become old friends, but you have to start somewhere. You know, it's like, I think we all, all want those old, worn-in, comfortable friendships, but it's like, at some point, you have to make that effort to make a new friend if you ever want to have an old friend. Oh, it is so true. We want those comfortable, easy friendships. And being an adult doesn't make navigating friendships any easier. Well, today, Melanie is going to share vulnerably something she wished she'd done differently when it came to friendships, and it inspired me to maybe invest some time differently. I don't know what it'll bring up for you. I know we couldn't possibly cover all of the information and scenarios related to friendship, but I have done several episodes on it. If you're looking for some more help, go to the show notes. We put lots of links to different shows we've done in the past on friendship and stick around at the end of the show. Of course, we can connect you with a podcast club if you are looking for an excuse to get together with other moms. Before we get to that, I want to tell you about something I did with one of my friends, Katie Orr. We put together a 10-day reading plan through First and Second Kings, and it's not just a reading plan. Katie has spent so much time creating videos to help teach you how to study the Bible. I've created some videos to kind of highlight what I thought was interesting in the different passages. It's a great resource. If you want to go check it out, go to don'tmomalone.com forward slash Kings, plural, because there's lots of them. It's don'tmomalone.com forward slash Kings through Katie Orr's Bible Study Hub. She has so many different Bible studies. It's a great place. You could even sign up for a membership to her site, and then you get regular Bible study plans throughout the year if you're just looking for accountability and consistent content. All right, let's get to my conversation with Mel. Here we go. Hey, Mel, welcome to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. Hey, Heather, how are you? Oh, man, it's been too long, really. It has been too long, way too long. I mean, we've seen each other in real life more than you've come on this show, and that's the tragedy. That's yeah. the tragedy, because we need you. It's such a weird, like when you said 2014, <laughs> I was like, well, that was just like last year. And I'm like, no, right. that was six years ago. 2014 was, I'm still having a hard time adjusting to uh -huh. how fast the 2010s went by. Like how 20 years ago was 1980 in my life. Yeah. Gosh, I can't even know. I know. Mm -hmm. It's depressing. Like when it you is. hear that all these movies, when they're like, Footloose came out 35 <laughs> years ago. I'm like, well, I'm 100. 
<laughs> it's so true. And oh, it's so true. And all of our people we have watched from afar as your cutie patootie has grown into a woman and you're launching soon. And oh man, too fast. I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. I always say that I remember rocking her when she was a baby and I knew even then I dreaded the day she would go off to college and I calculated. I was like, okay, that'll be spring of 2021. And I was convinced that Jesus would come back before yeah. then so I wouldn't have to do it. And now I'm like, well, Jesus, you better hurry up because that's right around the corner. You know, we got an Amazon show. This is so rabbit trail. Uh-huh. My VA is going to be like, Heather, stop. Yeah, stop. But we got an Amazon show. And the thing that's, I told my husband, I said, he said, do you like it? I said, I feel like the world is going to end any moment because it keeps flashing the latest news and I'm not yeah. a news person. I'm like, I didn't need to know there was a flood on the other side of the world and an earthquake. And literally I was going through revelation, just counting yeah. off each of the, the little cups of wrath being poured out of <laughs> my Echo, Echo show. So according to the Echo show, Jesus is coming back. Everything okay. is clicking on the list of what's going to happen. Well, if he is, I wish he would do it before I have to figure out how to get her to write all these essays for her college application. I would really appreciate him sparing me that particular cup of wrath. Uh, And I I told you I'm doing it because we have to apply to high schools. So it's like a mini version of apply to college. It's a good, you know, process to go through to learn how to make decisions and not just follow your friends and how are you gifted and what are you interested in? And it strips you again of another layer of where am I finding my identity? Isn't it my child or (laughs) where they go to school or is it? Yeah. Yeah. And then being their best version. I know. Oh, goodness. Well, so you're coming on now as an official mentor, just so you know, you've reached mentor status. Okay. I'm so glad. Well, the wrinkles on my face would say that's about my, that's about <laughs> my wheelhouse now. And we would love if you would mentor us through friendship because sometimes motherhood can be so all-consuming. And then if you throw in the relationship of a spouse and putting energy into that, I feel like friends get put on the back burner. Yeah. I think for sure. I th- think, you know, it's interesting because I actually, and I write about this, you know, I, I have my book on friendship. Nobody's cuter than you that, you know, everybody loved that. And that was like my thing on friendship. But then I kind of revisited it in this new book because I do feel like I kind of made a full circle because I do think as a young mom, you get so consumed with your kids that you do tend to put your friendships on the back burner. And then almost even more so because I always said like with my group of girlfriends, we had a group that would all go out and eat Mexican food once a week. And when the kids were little and you could put them in bed by seven, we were so much better about doing that because that's when they're so physically exhausting that you're like, I don't even care. I need my husband to do bath time, bedtime. I need to get out and go be with my girlfriends. But then as they even get older, what I feel like what nobody tells you is those years when they, from when they start school to now is all their activities. And so then it becomes really hard to make that time because you've got soccer games and baseball games and Girl Scout meetings and and all of that. And so even your evenings aren't free. It's such a weird thing to shift from where like you have all this free time during the day when they're at school maybe, but then like now I'm like, well, from four to 11, I'm never busier now. Like those are my hours where I have to be on all the time. That is so true. Well, tell us a little bit about, you know, I know, your famous friendship with Gully. Yeah. Everybody knows about Gully. <laughs> Everybody knows about And maybe they think, well, Melanie's got it figured out. She's got all these friends. She has the secret sauce. Who wouldn't want to be friends with Melanie Shankel? But what is, what is something that's been hard for you in your journey of friendship? 
You know, here's what I think is to me, I was fortunate enough when I got to college that I made this great group of girlfriends and we were super close knit. Um, they were like sisters to me and still are. And we were just so intertwined in each other's lives. And I think college is such a unique time because you really get to do that because you live together and you do everything together and you're not with your real family. So that's who's taking you to the doctor when you're sick and all that stuff. And, um, and that's when I met Gully. And then I was fortunate enough that for most of our adult life, Gully and I have lived in the same town. Like she moved here when her son was a year old and I hadn't had Caroline yet. And so we raised our babies together. And because I tend to be an introvert, I tend to stick with the friends that I have. Like it's not really in my natural wheelhouse to go out and make new friends. In fact, I used to always say in college, I would let Gully make our new friends for us. And then like whoever she brought in, I would be like, okay, now you're my friend too. Like that was kind of part of her because she's such an extrovert. Yeah. Um, So I was like, good, that's great. You've made us a new friend. But I think that what happened to me is because Gully was here and she was my safety net, that that was really who I spent all my time with and we raised our babies together and we did all that. But then as the kids got older, because they do go to different schools and because they're boys and Caroline's a girl, the kids started to have their own separate lives. And it really dawned on me a few years ago that I hadn't done as much as I should have to invest in the women who were raising kids actually in my community and in our schools that I had really focused all my attention on Gully and my old friends Um, and not worked as hard to make new friends. And I think once you get in that school thing and your kids are doing all that stuff, you really need those friends that are doing the exact same thing so that you can talk through, I mean, everything from like, are you taking AP history this year to, you know, what do you think about this teacher or what are y'all doing for the summer? It's, I felt like I had isolated myself a little bit and I regret that. Hmm. And why, I mean, I hear you saying, you know, you leaned on Gully and you have the introversion, introversion mm-hmm. that I know a lot of women can relate to when it comes to friendship, just feeling, especially with kids and pouring out constantly. It's like that energy is so limited to then choose to be with more people. Was there anything you were believing, like anything you were believing about yourself in that? Or do you, do you think it was simply just you went to what was easiest? I think I went to what was easiest, but I also think that I felt intimidated. Um, And I think some of that, a piece of that for me was, I think, because I have an only child and a lot of the other moms all seem to have multiple kids. So they knew each other so much better because they were together on all these different, you know, age levels and grades. And so I just felt a little bit set apart. And so I think it was some of it was my own insecurities of getting out there and making new friends. And I always say that I think I tend to get in my own head. And so it's funny because I speak and I write and all this stuff. But sometimes when I'm in a conversation, I'm like, I think I'm socially awkward. You know, so I think. (laughs) So relatable. So relatable. We're all like, yes. Yes. And here's my struggle is I'm not a good small talker. So like I immediately, and I think that's why I gravitate towards my old friends because I want to go deep. Like, let's just be real right off the bat. And I don't know how to do the like just surface whatever. And so what I realized is a lot of times I'll meet somebody and within two minutes, I'll be like, so let me tell you about when my parents got divorced, you know, (laughs) and they're still like on. So do you pack your kid a sandwich every day for school or, you know, so it's, it creates. I I mean, all the relating. I, I want to go back to this idea and belief that I think so many of us hold as we see a group of moms and we think they're all so much more connected. 
And I know in my mind, I think, well, they all go to church together or they all went to college together and now their kids, they live here and their kids are in school together. And so it's like they're not really, I'm waiting for them to turn towards me and include me in and believing the lie that they're full enough. They don't really need or want. And, and honestly, I was curious about you having an only child and how that impacted friendships because sometimes having too many kids, I felt like impacted my friendships. I wasn't available to do the things with the moms in my son, my older son's grades because I was still doing the baby toddler nap time. But I think that I see some of my friends who have an only child who are grieving, like everyone's so busy and I'm not so, so busy. Yeah. I still have some bandwidth, but there's no one around because they're all taking people to different activities. Yes. I think it's a hard, especially when they're little, because it's like once Caroline got to a certain age, you're like, well, this person still has a baby or they, um, Mm -hmm. and then they just, you know, your, your social circle, I feel like expands too. If you have a third grader and a kindergartner and a three-year-old, I mean, that's, that's three groups of mom friends conceivably you could have where for me, it was like, it felt like it was like, well, here are the moms that I know that have a child my same age as my child. And I think that it was my own insecurities and feeling like, well, they're already this fully formed group. And I'm not one to be like, look at me, here I am. You know, like, I think I tend to go, oh, you've already got your friends I see there. And same as what you said, is like, I'm waiting to be invited in. And I think sometimes you have to make the effort to find that group. But I also think it goes back to I don't find women to be any less intimidating in my 40s than I found them to be when I was 16 years old. I think there's also a thing as women that we tend to get in a circle and be inward focused and we aren't good about looking out to see who might need a friend or who may want to be included or whatever. And so I think there's that component of it too. And we still have the elements of some gals still doing the middle school things like being intentionally unkind or because of their own insecurities, desiring that close knit group because it makes them feel a place of belonging. That's right. Yeah. And I think that there's a thing too, where it's like, you know, for me, because I did have, you know, because Gully and my friend Jamie and um, my friend Jen, who you knew, and uh, you know, we had been together for so long that we had seen each other through so much when, with those old friends, like when you're college friends, you really can't even pretend like you've got it all together because they've seen you at like the yeah. lowest points of your life. Like they, they are well aware that you don't. Um, <laughs> so they, they know it for better or for worse. And so I think my other thing for me was is if I got in a circle that immediately started to feel like we were, there was any kind of competition over whose kids were the best or the most accomplished yes. or, you know, whose three-year-old could already like you know, write full sentences yeah. with proper punctuation. I Read War and Peace or something. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then my response is always like, check, please. I'm out. Like, yeah. I'm not interested in doing that at all. And I don't, I don't know how to play that game and I'm not good at that game. And, you know, and maybe part of it was, is that I had a kid who couldn't really read full sentences till she was in first grade. So it's like, I can't, I can't do this with you right now. Yeah. Did you ever find, and I know this isn't apply to everyone, but I'm curious if being an online influencer, being an author, that you have found some of your community keeps their distance because they make the assumption you already have what you need and you're too busy to invite, do you find that? You know, that's an interesting thing because I don't, I feel like in the early years, like until 
my first book came out, which I think was 2012. So Caroline was in third grade when that came out, I think, if I'm remembering that timeline right. But um, I think until then, like so many people around here, I don't think even knew that I had a blog or any of that because you think there wasn't Instagram at the time. There wasn't, I mean, Twitter was like a brand new thing. So there weren't all these outlets where people could see like, who you are and what you do. And I had kept my blog because I remember back in the days when we started blogging, like you didn't put your real name on it. I mean, that's why I was big mama. No, you didn't put your kids' names. You didn't put anything. Like, so it was very secret. And so then I felt like when Sparkly Green Earrings came out, it was like I've written a book. And so then people began to be more aware. But I do think, okay, so this is an interesting because I'm actually going tonight. It's like a parent party and they asked me if I would come speak on friendship to like a group of women that are be there. Yes. Like in my community. So I'm doing that tonight. But I think that's such an interesting thing because I'm like, but most of y'all, like I see at the grocery store all the time. I mean, not anymore because I get my groceries delivered, but (laughs) theoretically I see you like at Target or I see you somewhere. And so it's weird to me that, I mean, maybe in some ways that's made me feel unapproachable, but I feel like I'm the most approachable person in the world because I have like zero pretense about anything. Like I just, um, so I don't know. You know, that's an interesting question. I think the key is we all hold something in our mind that we're thinking about the other person yes. before we engage in that relationship. And what do you think it would be helpful to think instead about that person? I just, to me, I think you would be better off going with the assumption that everybody would like to make a new friend, you know, just that mm-hmm. everybody's open to friendship and to a relationship and to getting to know a new person. Um, And that sometimes if somebody is closed off, I think that says so much more about who they are than who you are Mm. um, to them. And I think it's just continuing to approach them and to, and to make the effort and to dial in because I will say that one of the things that I've learned, and I talk about this a little bit in the new book with this group of friends that I have called birthday club. um, And we had started getting together when the kids were little and we were a random group. I mean, it started for Gully's birthday and she had this random group of girls that she wanted to get together. And most of us didn't know each other. All we had in common was her. Um, But then we continued to meet and we still get together like, you know, a couple of times a year and, you know, hang out and our kids are kind of all teenagers now and we've lived all this life together. And what dawned on me was, is that new friends eventually become old friends, but you have to start somewhere. You know, it's like, I think we all want those old worn in comfortable friendships, but it's like, at some point you have to make that effort to make a new friend if you ever want to have an old friend. A really fun way to celebrate one of your friends or maybe a group of friends or maybe to get gifts for people in an easy way is the FabFitFun Spring 2020 box, which is on pre-sale now. Go over to FabFitFun.com to check it out. What it is is a seasonal subscription box with full size, health, beauty, fitness, home, and tech products. I continue to use stuff that I've gotten from past boxes. The other day I was working out actually, hadn't done that in a year, and I needed a mat. And I remembered I had one in my Fun box from last fall. And so I went and grabbed that. Every night when I'm cooking, I use my salt and pepper grinder from one of the boxes. If you want to check it out and save $10, go over to fabfitfun.com and use the code DMA10 because everything in the box is valued at over $200 and it retails for $49.99. But with that code DMA10, you can save $10 off your first box at fabfitfun.com. All right, let's get back to my chat with Melanie. Here we go. 
And so what other things, like even though you're processing and you're realizing, wow, I didn't put the energy into friendships like I hoped I had, or I, I leaned on goalie more than I probably should. So in all of that and leaning on goalie and, you know, maybe not making the friendships you wanted, what do you think would be helpful, whether you could go back or what are you going to implement now that you're entering a new stage? I wish that from an earlier age, starting, you know, when Caroline got into kindergarten, even, I wish that I had done more to become better friends with some of those moms to kind of find my people out of that group of moms. What would that look like? What would, what would a mom do if she's in that stage? She's got a kindergartner. Yeah. I mean, I think you get involved. I mean, I feel like I was so not the PTO mom. I didn't, I didn't want to do those things. Um, And so I didn't do those things. And I think that I, and part of that was, is at the time, you know, you look back and it's hard to say, because at the time I was really trying to start my writing career and I was transitioning. And so I was so focused on that stuff too. But I I do look and think, I wish I would have done more of the volunteer things. I wish that I would have gotten involved more in some of the school stuff. And I always was a homeroom mom, but I feel like that's different because as a homeroom mom, it's like you're just there with the kids doing stuff a lot of times. And I didn't dial into the other moms. And I think I made the assumption at that early age where it's like, well, they've all been friends forever. And now I look back and go, well, that wasn't true. That wasn't true. I let myself kind of be intimidated out of that. Um, or I felt like we didn't have a lot in common. And here's the thing, we may have not had a lot in common, but we still had our kids in common. And so could we have built relationships based on that? Um, and I, to me, I've been a lot more intentional about that. I feel like when we made that shift from junior school to high school, it really began to dawn on me, you know, like you're going through that transition right now, just how much you need moms and people that are doing the same thing. Cause I feel like high school, the stakes get so much higher and you're trying to figure so much more out to me. I've tried to be more intentional the last couple of years and I feel like it's paid off and that I do have some women now that I can talk to or text or reach out to when I have questions or whatever. So, um, but you know, the irony is, is if you start that earlier, I would have had those women all this time. And now that I look like Caroline's going to be out of school in a year and a half, then what does that look like? Cause then that becomes a whole new stage of life. Yeah. So what did that look like for you to be more intentional? What did you do? To me, it was just putting myself out there a little bit more. Like, you know, I mean, just at at soccer games, going and sitting by the moms and starting up conversations and talking or, you know, reaching out to different people or getting involved. I mean, I think because I do speak and write, like speaking at some PTO meetings and then, you know, staying and talking to people after. It was just making a little bit more of an effort to put myself out there, which is not my natural inclination. So it's, it's, but I think that's the whole thing is we tend to, or at least I tend to, I want people to come up to me and it's, it's realizing that I have to be intentional because if people never see you going up to anybody or putting yourself out there, then they kind of assume you're unapproachable, which in my case is so far from the truth. But I began to realize that could be the perception. It's really good feedback. I'm even picturing myself, like, I think in the season of be here, go there. I think on Monday I was in the car from 2.30 to 7.30, you know, driving people around and not even getting, but I, I pop into the game and I looked a little frazzled and then I go to the next thing and I'm not really emotionally available or like even considering how can I begin a conversation with someone. And then if I do begin a conversation, it's me just complaining about (laughs) driving all day or whatever it is. It's not really being open to listen and asking the person 
how do you as as an introvert for the introverts that are listening how do you manage that balance though of not putting yourself out there so much that you wear yourself out like what have you found to be a good boundary for that i mean i here's my thing i used to always say that my issue is not and in fact you can appreciate this cuz you knew her <laughs> but jen klaus used to always say she's like you're the best at saying no of anybody i know like i that's awesome i don't have a problem with setting boundaries that's just that's one of my that's your default. Your if default is no. Yes. Yeah. My default <laughs> is no. And so I yeah. think I'm somebody who has to remind myself sometimes I have to say yes, because I mm. think I'll say no to everything. So I think that's not my problem. But the thing that I know about me is I have to have that time to myself. I mean, I am such an introvert that I mean, I recharge. And if I have a day where I've been on the go all day long, like I'm just no good to anybody. Like by the end of the day, I'm like, don't even look at me. So even as I make new friends, like, I mean, I kind of know I can do, I can meet you for coffee one morning a week, you know, I can do one lunch a week I can do, but that's, you know, I can do one night out a week, but I like to have my time. And I think especially because Caroline is at the age she is right now, just being a junior in high school and you're doing that countdown is it's, I always say this stage is kind of like houseplant parenting. Like you just sit around the house and wait for them to come home and talk to you. So it's a lot of times I don't want to miss that either because I never know when I'm going to have that window where she actually feels like talking. Mm. Um, And I don't want to not be here for that. Mm. Um, So it's just kind of finding that balance and that's going to be different for everybody. I mean, there's, you know, I mean, I laugh because Gully, like I said, is an extrovert and she could go out and like have wine with girlfriends every single night of the week, you know, like she would be so happy and she would thrive on that. But I know for me, I can't do that. Like it's a, it's got to be more measured than that. Have you ever had a pointed disagreement with a mom, like a falling out maybe over just different parenting styles or I've kind of seen where relationships end based on ideals that differ perhaps even in the little years, maybe some moms kind of shutting out friendships because they have a really strong stance on media or cell phones or whatever it is. I mean, something that they feel really passionately about. And so that kind of ends a friendship. Have you seen that personally or do you have any thoughts about that? I mean, I I definitely have seen that. I mean, I'm such a non-confrontational person. Uh, <laughs> you like, just slip away slowly. I just, I kind of just slip away into the yeah. night. Like yeah, I'm yeah, kind yeah. of, I'm not going to be somebody that's going to confront somebody on their stance about something just because yeah. in general, I feel like you're not going to budge them on that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that moms, especially of different ages, they have all these, you know, you have all these ideals of how you're going to do things. And then if they aren't at that stage yet, part of me is like, okay, sister, just wait. Like it's, this sounds really good, but just wait till you're actually there, you know? Yeah. So I think I tend to, there've been friendships that have definitely kind of gone by the wayside just because we had less and less in common over the years. Mm. Um, And that changed. So what about like when you are in a friendship and it's like, not just about parenting, but Mm -hmm. we are in the most divisive, or maybe not the most, people keep saying the most, but how do you really know it's the most? Did you live Mm -hmm. in 1800s? Were you around when there were kings in England? Because Susanna Wesley and her husband didn't even live together for a year because they (laughs) differed on the king. I think if we haven't gotten there yet, it's not the most divisive. We're doing okay. Yeah. We're doing okay. But we are divisive. I mean, there are some really strong, I feel like a lot of feelings lately that maybe were people just didn't really care. And so now there's just a lot of feelings about politics and 
yes. race relations and which all, you know, we should care more about these things. Yes. But it brings, like you were saying, it makes you uncomfortable, the conflict. So when we get that in our friendship, how do we manage and negotiate and and handle that well? So because I think the enemy wants to divide. And God is all about, I was just reading in Colossians, it's about bearing with one another and remembering that you're one body, especially we're talking in the church talk. I mean, we are called to oneness, but how do we do that when we're just feeling a lot of feelings that are different about what's going on in the world? I mean, I to me, I am not going to let somebody's politics or religious leanings or whatever affect a friendship. Like if you're somebody that I love and respect and we have a lot of other things in common, I'm not going to let the things that we don't have in common get in the way of our friendship. I just, I don't think it's worth it. And to me, I think that looks so much different because I think on Twitter and on social media, it can be so divisive because you're, you don't see the other person. Like you're just seeing like, this is who I voted for and this is what I believe. And this is why I think this is right. Whereas when it's a real friend, it's like, okay, I may not totally understand, but I know your heart. So I trust you in that. And to me, like I'm, I'm walking this out right now with Sophie, who I podcast with, like she and I politically are not really the same in a lot of ways, but she's one of my dearest friends. I mean, she's my business partner. And, and so we just aren't going to focus on that. I'm like, that's just not a conversation. And if we are going to have it, it's amazing how when you have it face to face, we can have it respectfully. And at the end of the day, we may look and go, well, I still don't agree with you, but at least I kind of hear the heart behind why you think what you think or why you believe what you believe. And I think that's the whole key is it's like, when did we decide that everybody, the only people we could associate with or be friends with were people who thought the exact same thing as us? That'd be really boring. Yeah, real boring. It would be so boring. And to me, I would rather be challenged in that way to, if there's somebody that I really respect and I'm like, okay, now they've chosen to believe this. So then that's going to make me dial in deeper to whatever I'm believing to go, do I, do I really believe this? Why do I believe this? Why does this matter so much to me? Because I think that keeps the world going is to, you know, to hear other people's opinions and thoughts and all of those things. I think that's really wise and helpful. Um, And maybe, I don't know if the generation behind us is better at disagreeing and maintaining friendships, but yeah, I think it is so much better when I'm sitting at a dinner table, eyeball to eyeball to someone or someone I've been in community with for a long time to have these conversations than over Facebook posts where I would never say that to their face. I would never say that to their face or I don't really know their whole story. I don't know everything that goes into why they would be motivated by that. Yeah. And I think that that's the whole, you know, when uh, I think Ellen DeGeneres, when she came out like at the beginning of the year or whatever, after she was talking to George W. Bush at a football game and everybody was like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, I so appreciated what she had to say because I'm like, you can like somebody and not agree with them politically. Like you can like somebody and not embrace all their beliefs, but there's still a friendship and our common human experience and the things that we've gone through in the life that we've lived with somebody. And I'm just not interested in ending a relationship over those kind of things. Well, I remember quoting, I think in a blog post, or maybe it was in a book proposal, I was quoting um, an author and I got feedback from, I don't remember who, an agent or somebody who was Mm -hmm. like, I don't think you should quote that person because they're associated with this mystical 
movement yeah. and then you'll be associated with that movement. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, yeah, who can we quote? Because they're all humans. They're all That's sinners. It. Yeah. I mean, yeah. every single person is going to have a view different than mine. If we really looked into C.S. Lewis's view on hell, we probably mm-hmm. wouldn't be quoting him as much if we yeah. were like, oh, we have to believe all he believed and align ourselves 100% with everyone we quote or hang out with we'd be pretty limited and where yeah. our relationships could be. So yeah, I think recognizing that even if you associate with someone, it doesn't automatically mean that you align on a hundred percent of everything. I don't exactly. even a hundred percent align with all of my family or all of my, no. in my immediate family, that would be boring. Yeah. Again. Well, and I noticed like, like Beth Moore, who I adore, like she had to put like in her Twitter bio, like she has like a, my interactions and the people I follow don't equal endorsements or reflections of alignment on doctrine. And I'm yeah. like, that should go without saying, like, why do we have to assume that? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like why, if I mm-hmm. say that this one thing, or I like this one person or whatever that I'm like, no, that just means that this is somebody that I respect on a lot of levels and I like, and I think they have interesting things to say, but it's, you know, like I know on Twitter, one of the things I do, as much as it drives me crazy, is I follow people who are on both sides of the political spectrum because I like to hear all the views. I like to know the whole picture of what's going on. And I think that's so important because when we get ourselves in this little narrow you know, view of the world, I think we're missing so much of the, the bigger stuff that's going on. And I think it makes us more empathetic to hear other people's views or why they believe what they believe. And I don't know, the older I get, I'm like, if the things that I'm secure in, I'm not going to necessarily budge in, but I'm also secure enough that I can listen to your viewpoint on it and it's not going to intimidate or threaten me. Or shatter. Yeah. Your core. That's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think that's wise. And it's interesting that you do like seeing both sides for someone who avoids, you don't enjoy conflict. Yeah, I don't like the. I mean, I don't want to fight with you over it, but I am interested in here. I don't. You want to see everyone's view. You're curious to know everyone's view. Are you a nine on the enneagram? You don't have to say that. You don't have to answer that. That's a horrible enneagram. I just broke all the rules. Well, it's no. I nearly said earlier, and I wasn't going to go. I am a nine on the. I'm such a nine on the enneagram. I'm the original nine. (laughs) Because that's the gift of that perspective is that you do want to see how everyone sees. And I think it's, we need you to kind of bring peace in a time that's divisive. So um, thank you. Thank you for being a nine. Well, thank you. You're so welcome. I, sometimes (laughs) I wish I wasn't a nine. I'm a nine (laughs) who lives with two eights. So sometimes. Oh my words. I know. I know. So which sometimes makes me want to just go hide out in my room. Oh, they're all coming after you. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. I like a strong personality. I'm a nine who likes a really strong personality. That's great. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Well, Mel, I appreciate you being with us today and just reminding us that some of those insecurities we feel or some of those disconnects in friendship are not abnormal and that we can choose to reach out to someone to take a risk and that everyone is looking for a friend and to just start with that assumption. Um, to love first. And so thank you today for being with us again. And everyone go get Melanie's book on the bright side and enjoy. And I'll put a link too to episode 12 from 2014. Wow. Want to hear Melanie talk about marriage and an antelope in the living room. Thanks, Heather. You're so welcome. Thanks y'all for listening. I'd love for you to just process whether that's with a friend, over the phone, or with your spouse, or maybe with God. What did this stir up in you? And 
What about this season of motherhood that you're in? Do you find it challenging to navigate friendships? What is challenging? And just ask God to bring to mind a way that you could cultivate a friendship. It doesn't have to mean a big group or something major, but is there a friend that he's bringing to mind that he wants you to reach out to? I'm going to pray over us right now. Lord, I thank you that you've built community into the Trinity. I thank you that the message you communicate to us is connection. And I thank you that the gift of friendships is when we are believing a lie about our mothering or our our situation that others can come alongside us and remind us of truth. I pray, Lord, against the enemy who wants to divide us, who wants to cause us to try in our pride to, to go alone. I pray for us to choose connection and community over comfort. And for anyone who's listening, that you would bring to mind a relationship, someone, whether um, things are going great and you can have her send out a thank you text or a grateful for you, or just a stirring to put herself out there in some new way. I pray for that confidence that only comes from you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you are looking for an excuse, I've put this out there before, but maybe right now your heart is ready to hear it. If you're looking for an excuse to get together with someone, you're like, I really know I need friends, but I don't know where to start. Well, that's why we have these Don't Mom Alone podcast clubs. It's a way for you to say, hey, I like listening to this podcast. I don't know, maybe if you listen and I listen and then we can get together and we can talk about it over coffee or maybe while our kids are playing at the park or wherever people gather with kids in your community or maybe it's over lunch, uh, at work, whatever it is, we want to help you. So go to don'tmomalone.com forward slash join. You can sign up to get emails, be a part of our private Facebook group. Uh, if you're looking for an existing group, we don't keep a record of that. But if you join the private Facebook group, you can ask people there if anyone's in your area. But honestly, I would just prefer that you take a bold step wherever you are and invite someone. And it may even be a stranger that you're seeing. It's another mom there. And she looks like she could use a friend too. Like Melanie said, to take the perspective that everyone's ready to make a friend. I know this is a hard topic, and I hope and pray that you uh, will find comfort from the Lord in whatever hard part of this conversation was stirred up in you, and that you will keep your eyes open to be the friend to someone who's in need. Thanks for joining me this week. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us. Moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, 
While you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.